Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And Matt Cardona returns to Talk is Jericho. He and I have a lot to talk about. We both recently faced Nick Gage in death matches. And now Matt Cardona has the GCW title as a result. Matt and I are comparing notes on our respective matches with Mr. Gage. You hear how Matt ended up uh, in GCW and how fans are reacting to his title win. They aren't happy. We also talk about Atching Figure Culture and Matt's podcast, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. The cool things that he and his co-host Brian Myers are doing outside the ring. They're starting their own action figure line and Matt explains exactly how they're able to do that, what their figures will be like. And now that I've recovered from my death match and the five layers of labors of Jericho, of course, uh, looking uh, towards possibly having my final match this week at All Out versus MJF. Uh, but I'm also hitting the road with Fozzie this week. We start Thursday, September 2nd in Columbus, Ohio. FozzieRock.com is all the ticket information. We've got a ton of sellouts. Most of the Fozzie VIP meet and greets are sold out on this tour as well. Just go to FozzieRock.com. There are tickets available for Columbus at the Newport Music Hall on Thursday and Joliet on Friday, uh, Belvedere on uh, Saturday. Both of those shows are in Illinois and about 50 miles away from Chicago and all out. So if you're in town looking for some extra rock and roll, come see Fozzie on the 3rd in Joliet. That's a Friday night and Saturday in Belvedere. Then on Monday, we are in Kansasville, Wisconsin, with, of course, the pay-per-view of all out being on the 5th. Find more Fozzie information at FozzieRock.com. Uh, Pittsburgh, Flint, Cleveland, Johnson City sold out. Lots of sellouts. So if you want to come join us, please go to FozzieRock.com and check that out now. All right. Matt Cardona returning to talk is Jericho. Starting now. So one of the most talked about guys in the wrestling business right now is Matt Cardona, who is now possibly the king of the death match, <laughs> which is kind of like, not even funny, but, but it, it's an interesting thought until three days later, I have a, a match with Nick Gage as well. And now I'm a death match guy as well. And it just made me laugh to how I think both of us, specifically you for sure, have really kind of branched out and did something completely different that in a lot of ways has now completely revitalized your career. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, I'm not pretending to be this this tough guy. I, if you know me, you know I, I'm this goofball, I'm this, this nice guy. But I know, like if I had to be defending myself or a tough guy, I am, but I don't, I don't present myself that way, you know? Uh, so I'm not trying to prove to anybody that I'm this tough guy. But I think if you watch this match or you saw some clips online, some pictures, like I got my ass kicked, but I also kicked some ass. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you said, like I'm the guy who was wearing the one-legged tights a decade ago, the, the woo-woo-woo, the broski. And like, right. That was 10 years ago, Chris. Like I, I've grown as a man, as a wrestler, and I'm not pretending to be this deathmatch wrestler now. Like, listen, I am the deathmatch king. Uh, sure. I beat the king. I dethroned him. But uh, listen, I'm not doing death matches every weekend, so don't don't email me at bookmatcardona@gmail.com expecting I'm going to do death <laughs> matches uh, in your local indie fed. It's not happening. So so let me ask you a question. So what was the kind of the catalyst to get you to do this match in the first place? Yeah. So so things were going down on social media, and I don't know if like fans were tweeting it or or Nick Gage was tweeting me, and I just thought it was a joke. Like I'm thinking, like there's no way I'm going to fight this guy. Like no way. Like I know who Nick Gage is. The, the deathmatch style, I respect it. It's just not my thing. It's not my thing at all. I tried watching the Nick Gage uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I couldn't get through it. It was too gory and disgusting for me. I couldn't do it. But um, I realized, like, sometimes in wrestling, you actually got to give the fans what they want, you know? And the fans wanted this right. match. And I figured, why not? Like, what's going to happen? Right? Like, how? Like, Unless I die, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> and uh, I went in there, you know, I'm like, okay, I- I'm sure I'm going to bleed a little bit. Let me wear all white. I'll get a couple trickles of blood on me. I did not imagine that my white shirt would turn completely red. I did not imagine how violent it would get. Like I told myself before, like, there's no way I'm doing that pizza cutter bullshit. No way I'm going through glass. But Chris, you're in there with Nick. Like when you're in there... Nick Gage is going to make you do things you don't want to do. So I, I got mm-hmm. the pizza cutter, went right. through the glass, but I don't regret any of it. Like it's a week and a half later, there's still blood coming out of my back. I have to go to an urgent care after this because I think my back is infected. But like, I don't regret a single second of it because, oh man, I felt so alive in there because for so long I was just white meat baby face. And at the end of the day, I still am like, I haven't changed who I am, but that audience doesn't like me for me. And I get to, you know, just kind of say, 
you a little bit. It's fun. I love it. I love it. See, but the thing about it that, that I really enjoy about the fact that you did it was you mentioned, yeah, there's a certain type of vibe for Matt Cardona and, you know, L.I., woo-woo-woo, the guy who, you know, as Kona would say, plays with his toys on a podcast <laughs> and all stuff. But you're also a veteran wrestler at this point. And I think one of the best things about – we I think we talked about this when, when, when you and Brian came on the show last time about being let go from WWE is now you, there's no more chains or restrictions or boxes that you have to be in. And as soon as I heard, you know, Cardona and Nick Gage, I was like, this is really smart for you because it's a reinvention, which then adds a different dimension to your character and more importantly, gives you more diversity, which in turn will give you more longevity. 100%, Chris. I mean, not to kiss your ass, but you are the king of reinventing yourself and you know everything about longevity. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I saw this as an opportunity for myself and not to... Now, I say this all the time. I don't care about proving people wrong, but I want to prove myself right, and I want to prove right. the, the, my fans right, whether they were fans of the Major Brothers or the Ed Sheds or the YouTube Day, whatever, or the, sure, the Major Brothers of your podcast. I want them to know, like, hey, like, I root for this guy, and, and I made the right choice. And uh, this is going to sound cocky, but I don't give a shit. Like, I dare you to find somebody who's been counted out by this business more times than me and has come back. And, um, you know, I just keep coming back and coming back and coming back because I love this business. I am, I am the cockroach of the wrestling business. I don't mean that in a bad way. Like you just can't kill me. You're not going to get rid of me because mm -hmm. I might not, you know, I might, I might die, not ever being a top wrestling star, but I'm going to die trying. Well, and, you know, and, and you almost did die, <laughs> almost did. In six, <laughs> but now you're, you're the GCW champion. And once again, I really appreciated the fact that you did that. And also, too, the guys in GCW and Nick Gage and, and I don't know if it's Brett Lauderdale or whatever in bringing you in because it's money. That's what wrestling is. It reminded me of kind of mid-90s ECW when they're this certain type of world of like, we're the most hardcore of wrestlers. And then Jerry Lawler shows up right. and gets major heat because you're not one of us. And meanwhile, Lawler knows exactly what to do to get the reaction that he wants. And that's kind of what you did. Yeah. Like I'm calling these, these people, the GCW universe and they hate it. So I just keep doing it more. <laughs> and listen, I, I knew I was going to get hated. I knew if I won this match that listen, I thought there'd be a couple bottles thrown. I didn't realize what was going to happen. If you, if you watch the footage, people were throwing pizza cutters at me, Chris, like that's, wow. that's where, you, that's where I draw the line. You know, like when you throw a pizza cutter, at me, like some of these fans, listen, they, they know it's a show and they're like, they, they want to, they want to boo me because it's fun, but some people genuinely hate me. There were some like weirdos with Zack Ryder action figures like hanging by like nooses. Like I'm like, what is this? Is you're a real human being? Like you're you're out in public? Like you don't care if this is on social media? Yeah. Like that's the scary part. Well, did you say too? Like uh, I don't know if you got death threats. But yeah. Your fiance like, listen, got death threats. I, and people were like, I hope they that Nick Gage kills Macarena, kills Chelsea Green, like. I don't know. Are they serious or not? Because they're really putting us out there. Yeah, and and the thing that was cool too was was once again. I mean, when I first saw it, because you came in and you kind of tell the story of almost mimicking John Moxley. Yes, and then you unmask and it's Matt Cardona. Now take it in consideration where we were at the time, whether that was a month ago or whatever. You're like. What is he doing? Like he's going to get so much heat for this, and then you're like, "Oh, he's going to get so much heat yes, for this." Yes, I guess. Yes. So, kind of tell the idea of, of of how that came about. Yeah. So, I mean, the the plan was I was going to go in there and, and just do. I don't know if it was going to be a, a one time deal, or a two time deal. Let's just let's now at this point, let's see where it goes. And now I'm the champ, so now now <laughs> for a while. But I I I don't want to be. You know, I'm not going to turn into like. Mean guy, Matt Curto. I am me, and the people just hate me for being me. Right. And, and yes, of course, I'll evolve a little bit and show a little bit of an attitude. Uh, but the, the response I got from doing the Moxley thing and laying him out, like, I knew it would be, like, kind of buzzworthy, but I didn't realize the buzz it was going to get. And I'm like, oh, man, we're really onto something here. So I just need to play this up until this homecoming match and be the biggest douchebag I can on social media. And, and I, I knew if I won this match, like I said, I knew – there was going to be a negative reaction, which I love, you know, like, the, the, like going back, you watch the video. It's so to me, it's cool. Like people throw bottles, pizza, totally cutters, cool, whatever. Yeah. I did not imagine that we would be number one, trending number one over UFC and the Olympics. So, you know, it's GCW, Macro and Zack Ryder all trending number one. 
I mean, because at the end of the day, GCW is a it's an independent promotion, you know, and it was trending number one over UFC and over the Olympics. And, you know, I am proud of that because um, I say, I joke around saying I'm the internet champion, but I mean, 10 years after I started that YouTube show, I'm still figuring out ways to be relevant just because I love this damn business so much. Yeah, and once again, like you said, and, and reinvent yourself into this different type of uh, performer that nobody expected. And like you mentioned, I mean, that visual of all of the bottles being thrown in the ring, like you said, pizza cutters and all this other stuff, it does remind me once again of Terry Funk in ECW Arena with all the chairs getting yeah, thrown in. Yeah, I love it. You know, I love it. It's a moment. Yeah, and it was so, like... I'm not going to lie. Afterwards was a disaster. Like, there's no medical team backstage at GCW. Wow. There, okay. there, there was one nurse who, who gave me, who stitched me up in two spots, but that, that was it. And she just, like, left everything else open. I'm like, she's like, go take a shower. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> the, the bleeding has not stopped. So so one, one of my friends was there. He, he let me use his, his hotel. I showered, and then I had to fly to Anaheim because I was going to uh, Disneyland. So I didn't have any, like, band-aids or anything with me like he didn't have any band-aids so he taped a towel to my back and that's how oh, i flew wow. cross country with a, a towel taped to my back and then you know how it is when you bleed now it is like dry blood it's now stuck to my back so i had to take a shower when i landed and just let it like rip off my back like just let it get so soaking wet that it got heavy and just ripped off my back it was it was miserable it was miserable but i don't regret it Talking about the yin and the yang of life, uh, getting smashed over the head with a light tube on a Friday and riding It's a Small World on a Saturday. Bro, is that not the heat, though? <laughs> I brought the tide, I brought the GCW title to Disneyland. Oh, because, my gosh. And I, I took a picture holding it in front of the castle. Like, I know that my fans like me and support this and think it's funny and cool and awesome, but I know that rabid GCW universe hates it, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make them hate me more. I don't want to convert them. You know, I have nothing to prove. If, if they come over, cool. Happy to have you as a fan. But I'm going to make you hate me even more. That's my goal. And that's the, that's the fun part. Happy to have you as an enemy too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question because, once again, I, I went through it two or three days after you did and have gone through it for years. But uh, here's something people don't realize. When you do a match like this, even when you get cut on your forehead, but death match, obviously, there's broken glass and... and you got the cuts on your back and on your arms, and I had them all over as well. What did your bed look like in the morning when you woke up? Okay, so like I said, uh, that night I didn't sleep at all. I had I because I was in where was I? It was Atlantic City, Atlantic City, and I was like trying to get cleaned up. I, I was like panicking. I'm like, what do I do? I'm just like the bleeding won't stop. So like I said, I taped the towel to my back, <laughs> drove to Philly. I had like an hour or so before my flight. <laughs> I was going through social media. I couldn't even get through all my, my mentions. That's how like I was, I couldn't believe it. It was nuts. Right. Uh, it's something I'm not really used to, you know? And then I flew and then I had to get a hotel. I took a little nap, bro. When I woke up, there, I, there's pictures on social media. It looked like either I was murdered or I murdered somebody. <laughs> it was it went all the way through. It did not touch the, uh, the mattress, luckily, but every, like the comforter, the sheet, because I slept over the comforter. I'm like, I don't want to ruin right. the sheets. It went through that. It was everywhere. Uh, we had to tell the, the hotel, like, hey, listen, nobody died up there. I said I got right. injured. I said I got injured at work, and I didn't realize how much I was bleeding. Uh, but it was it was bad. And then, like, for the next like, – even this morning I woke up and there was blood. Like, a week and a half still. Later, Not a lot. A couple of trickles. But still, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. That's, like, I, like I said, I'm going to urgent care after this because there's definitely something wrong. Like, something's definitely infected. It's not healing properly. <laughs> it is what it is, though. Well, think about this. I mean, we're rolling around in, in a ring where there's been four or five or ten matches beforehand – and there's glass. I mean, and who knows what the hell else is on there. I'm surprised that I didn't get an infection yet. You know, it's it, it's just an, an average, obvious thing that's going to happen. Yeah, that, that that first night where I laid him out when I was pretending to be Moxley, I was like, I was like, yeah, this is great. Like, I went to the back and I'm like, where's all this blood coming from? I, I like sliced open my wrist doing a DDT just from like mm. the glass being in the ring. Mm. But that was nothing compared to uh, the death match where. I was bleeding and had so many cuts, I didn't know where I was bleeding from. You know what I'm saying? There was just blood right. everywhere. And like I said, I, I knew, listen, it's deathmatch. I knew I was going to get hit with a light tube or something. I knew there was going to, ooh, maybe if I wear all white, there'll be some cool trickles of blood. The white shirt turned completely red. And the scariest part was I, I superplexed him through a, a pane of glass. And the referee is like, do you want to continue? But this wasn't like an act. Like you could tell, like you could see the fear in his eyes. I'm like, He's like, do you want to stop the match? I'm like, why? He's like, your shoulder and tricep are really, really bad. 
And then you go back and watch the footage and it's like ooze coming out of it. Not even like blood. It's like thick ooze. And like when he was scared, this guy who does all these death matches, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And that's like we were in Charlotte when I had the match with Gage. And it was funny because now with COVID, some hotels don't clean the room until you check out. And that really bothers me. Like I like coming in the room every night with the new. So I woke up in the morning. Actually, it's funny because Cody had texted me. He must have been, I think he was driving or something. It was early in the morning. He goes, how are you doing? I said, it looks like somebody was murdered in my bed. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, mother, you didn't want to come clean my room. Well, this is what happens. Now you're going to come clean it. And you're going to think somebody was murdered in here. Right, 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 right. (laughs) What was kind of more, uh, a few of the worst bumps that you took and the ones that maybe were a little bit uh, crazier than you expected them to be. Yeah. So like I told myself going in, I'm like, listen, I know I'm going to take some light tubes or a chair. Or like, but I'm like, I do not want to go through glass. But like I said, when, when Nick Gage is in there with you, shit's going to happen. And the, the superplex through the glass is what really got me. I don't know if it was a combination of going through the glass plus broken glass and light tubes already in the ring. But after that... Did you that, give the superplex or take I, it? I gave the superplex. Got it, got it, got I it, gave it. it. And I don't know. It's glass, Chris. Like, there's, there's no safe way to cut <laughs> through glass. Yeah. And it just, like, ripped me up big time. And, like, I, I was almost in shock afterwards when I saw, like, my, my back, like, in the mirror afterwards. I'm like, oh, my... I'm going to look like Sabu for the rest of my life. I'm ah, like, oh, yeah, hopefully, yeah. like, it heals up. But, like, I can see these scars for me now. And I guess it's cool, like, battle scars, but... Listen, I'm a handsome man, Chris. I don't want this for the rest of my life. I don't want to do this every week and have it all over my body. Yeah, and that's the problem with it too, where 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 you, you know, you don't really know what to expect. And for me, uh, I had a shirt on as well, and I had gloves on, but I had to cut the fingers off because you still have to use your fingers to manipulate and do things. And sliced there, which really hurt the hand. Oh yes, really I had the hurting. same thing. Yeah, same thing. And then the back. Uh, getting planted on the on the tempered broken tempered glass and you just feel like the oh. so then there was a part where on your match and mine where you see our back and and because I, I remember thinking like i don't want this to be a bloodbath like i just want this to be you know pretty intense and sure. pretty violent and then there's a scene though like right towards the end where there's blood coming out of everything <laughs> I'm like we are so gonna get kicked off right. of TV here. there's no way they're gonna let this work and that's what i was saying to myself in the match I'm like where is this blood even coming from because I don't want to say I wasn't feeling pain because obviously I was, but the adrenaline was the, the rush was insane and the crowd and I was just eating it up. But I was looking at myself like, where am I bleeding? Cause there was just blood everywhere. I didn't know where the actual cuts were until I took that shower. And I'm sure you could uh, back up on this. That shower sucked. That first shower where there's still glass yeah, in you. Stinging. Oh my God. It was miserable. Miserable. What's crazy for you too. Cause like you said, you really didn't have a doctor there to pick out any, any oh, little bits. Yeah, nothing. The, the, luckily there was a nurse who stitched me up. Right. But, like there was only two air. I think there were other arrows she should have stitched up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like there was <laughs> yeah. some bad ones, and like the blood wouldn't stop. Uh, and like I just wrestled this past weekend again, and like not a death match, a regular match. And like my stitches opened back up. I'm like, oh, this mm. is, that's probably why I'm infected. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens now then? Now that you're the GCW champion, because I know I- I'm assuming now. I mean, I'm not assuming GCW is bigger than it's ever been because it's the one-two punch of their huge show, the the huge revelation of Cardinal. Winning, then Gage is on AEW. It seems like GCW is kind of at the top of the uh, list of indie promotions right now. Right. So here's I don't think anybody, myself included, and GCW thought this was going to be as big as it got. I thought we gotcha. all listen, this is going to be cool. It's going to be fun. People talk about it for a couple of days. But now the issue is like, I'm like a professional wrestler who hustles and tries to do everything, I'm booked. <laughs> yeah, I'm like fully booked up. So now we got to pencil in where can I actually like wrestle these shows? Because it's not like I'm yeah, just right, right. hanging out. Like uh, I didn't sign this big multi-million dollar GCW contract, Chris. <laughs> like I'm wrestling every weekend. So now we have to figure out where can I go? Where can I take a red eye? Where can I, you know, how can we make this work? And I, I genuinely want to elevate GCW. I think the the element of people hating me is is very very cool i think the outsider coming in uh being not that i'm anti gcw but i'm not that style and and their fans will be anti matt cardona and i and listen this is so much fun for me because now 
I'm thinking of ways. How can I make them hate me even more? I have a whole laundry list of ways to change GCW. I'm not going to, you know, reveal them now. I might put out, remember when Cody left WWE, put out that list with his hands on? I might put out one of those lists, you know what I'm saying? Like of all the things I want to change. <laughs> maybe like a custom title, you know, maybe um, get, get them some ring aprons, get them some doctors backstage. I just want to make it a little more professional because, listen, at the end of the day, all the guys who are there, all the guys and girls, they're busting their ass. Right. There's mm-hmm. no denying it's a rabid fan base. So all the uh, elements are there for a successful promotion. We just I think a couple of things need to be changed a little bit. I have a suggestion for you. I, you need to show up for, for your next show with Mickey Mouse ears <laughs> with your title belt. And That's just say, I went to Disneyland and then and then maybe hand out a couple of ears. Oh, and man, that'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be so great. <laughs> I mean, and, and and that's the thing too, because this is such a great time for wrestling right now. And I know when you were originally released, I think it was during the pandemic, the lockdown, and you guys were very smart in kind of shifting over to the podcast world. Right. And you guys have a, a, a very huge fan base from that. But now that there's shows up and running again, and you've made yourself a viable draw, it seems to me that you can probably be working as much as you want to at this point. Yeah. So like, as of now, like I'm fully booked up uh, from now until the end of the year, except for one weekend that I took off for a bachelor party that I might or might not have. I just, I I need one, one weekend off for my bachelor party uh, if I have one, but it's for me, it's awesome because I'm choosing the shows I want to do. I'm getting to do different things. So whether like I'm wrestling in West Virginia and doing the, uh, this guy's a chicken, chicken, chicken. <laughs> I did, you know, like, I did that. I did that last Saturday, the Saturday before. I'm having a death match with Nick Gage. You know what I'm saying? So like I'm getting right, to right, do right, all right, these right. different things. Uh, it's so much fun. And at the end of the day, like I, it's a job. Yes. This is like my, what I do for a living, but this is my passion, my dream. And it's, I'm having so much fun now. And, I know it might be cliche to say like I'm having more fun than I've ever had before, but I am. I genuinely am because not that I'm saying I had handcuffs on me before, but there's no handcuffs now and I'm able to try all these things and listen, not everything I do is going to be a success. No way. But at least I have the opportunity to try all these things and all I've ever wanted was an opportunity. One more question about GCW, then I want to talk about what you just said. What did you think of Nick Gage uh, as a person, as a performer, backstage, in the ring, etc.? I, listen, I, I respected this guy before. I, I, I know he died, almost died in, 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 a, in a match, came back. Certainly respected him Had now. you heard of him? Oh, oh of course. Gotcha. I've, yeah, I've heard of him. I, I, I remember people years ago wearing the, the free Nick Gage shirts when he was in jail. You know? Right. Like I said, I'm not like a, a death match like, fan. So I don't like watch this stuff. Of course, with the dark side of the ring, I tried to watch it. But I'm like, I don't want to see this shit. And little right, did I know right. I'd be a part of it. But I respect him because the... That, how can I describe this? The 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 connection he has with his fan base, the audience. So when I walked through the curtain, they almost didn't let me get to the ring because they hated me so bad. So they were like bum rushing me, right? There's you trying to get at me. But when he comes to the ring, they're bum rushing him. But because they they just want to touch him, you know what I'm saying? They just want to like interact with him. And he's got little kids, like loving him. Like somebody who on paper should be this ultimate heel. It's like Superman there. Mm-hmm. And I love that he cares about his fans. And, and go on like uh, social media and see something like the cameos he makes for his fans. Like he's such like, he seems so down to earth. But in that ring, he's a tough son of a bitch. And oh my God, like if I never fight him again, I'll be happy. Because this guy, I'm sure he feels pain, but he doesn't stop. Well, and that's the thing somebody was like saying about, oh, you got to have Nick on talk as Jericho. And I'm like, I don't really want to have him on talk as Jericho because I like the idea of this match that we had uh, just kind of leaving it alone because it was very violent. And he is like the thing about him is I had so many people text me before the match, before the match saying, you got to watch out for this guy. And they're not people in the business. They're fans. I had people in the business saying it to me. That wow. day in the business, in the business, somebody, I'm not gonna say who it is, someone who was like a regular name in the business texted me that day, do not do this match. And I'm like, you're <laughs> kidding me, right? Like, do not do this match, you're gonna get hurt. And like, then I was scared, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I had, I, I had a lot of people, like I said, that were in the know, but not maybe in wrestlers per se, like, you know, you got to watch this guy if he tries to shoot on you, you got to take him out, and you got to watch this, watch this. And I'm like, thinking to myself. This guy is playing this psycho character, and when you talk to him, like he's a really, like you said, he's a he's a he's a pretty cool guy. But when you look into his eyes, 
he's a there's something not right like he has the years of jail in his head and all these bumps that he's taken so when people are saying that you're like oh you don't understand he's just playing a character i'm thinking but when you see him you're like if this guy does decide to go rogue what am i gonna do like when i'm in there with him and he takes his light tube and he breaks it over his head yes and he's coming at me there's nothing fake about that. That's like, nothing I, fake I, about that. I'm like, get me out of here. Even before, listen, Chris, before the match, I'm not lying. Like, before, like, my music gets, I'm thinking, like, is this some big, like, like act? Are they going to try to kill me in there? And, like, GCW kills Zack Ryder in the right. ring. I'm like, I was scared. Dude, yeah. <laughs> is this some kind of... Some kind of cult experience. They're just going to pull a hostel on you and murder you. I in have the no ring. idea. I, 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 I'm, thank God I'm here talking to you about it. Like I, <laughs> I thought I could legit die. Yeah, we had a spot in, in our match. Well, it wasn't really a spot. Obviously, ours is on TV, so it's a little different than yours because there's a time constraint. And I think Nick was a little nervous for that reason. Plus, I think you know we drew over a million people, so it's obviously the biggest crowd he's ever wrestled in front of in this you know in TV land. And he gave me a pile driver on the glass and smashed the stuff over me. And then he breaks the glass and he kind of sticks me with it. And then before he goes to get more light tubes, he comes back to do it some more. And I'm like, you've done it enough, dude. And he came <laughs> back the second time. And this time he was really getting me. And there's, if you see this one here, this is not a razor. You know, it's not a gimmick. It is a literal light tube glass abrasion right from that sticking and that's why i was like if this mother keeps going i'm going to have to kill him because enough's enough already and that's but but i don't think he was doing maliciously that's just him in this zone so the part of dark side of the ring that i did see is is moxley talking about how nick gates put the pizza cutter in his mouth and like sliced him so as he's giving me the pizza cutter he puts it like by my face i'm like oh my god he's gonna do the thing in my mouth but no, yeah. he just legitimately bites my head. I'm covered in blood and he's biting yeah, me. Yeah. I'm like, you're a sick dude. That's what I'm thinking right, myself. Yeah. Like, as I'm in pain, I'm thinking, this guy is disgusting. Yes. And, and <laughs> the pizza cutter as well is completely legit. Anybody that's like, oh, put a pizza cutter up to yeah. your forehead, just like lightly <laughs> press. Then yeah, imagine no a guy literally coming back and forth. Yeah, no thanks. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm glad that I did it. Same as you. I had a lot of people go, well, Jericho didn't have to do that. Cardona didn't have to do that. If you know anything about us as performers, there was no reason why we wouldn't do it. It's part of the story. And listen, I think I've put up more T-shirts this past week than I have in a year. <laughs> I, if people are like, how many more bloody pictures can he post? Trust me, I got a lot more because I'm going to shove this in everyone's face who, who hates because I know my fans love it. And if you don't like me, you're going to, I don't want you to like me. So it's right. like, I can do no wrong here, Chris. Like my fans love it and my haters hate it. So it's like, I'm going to keep doing it. So let's talk a little bit about, about how you're kind of having fun and really enjoying wrestling. And like we said, both of us worked in WWE for a long time and I, I would never bash WWE because it's, it's a great place. Obviously they're very successful, but there is a certain way of doing things there. And when you break free of that, either if you walk away or, or, or forced to, you realize like, oh my gosh, like there is a whole world out here of wrestling that is completely different and in a lot of ways a million times better than what you do in WWE. And obviously you've ex- experienced that. Yeah, listen, like you said, Chris, like I, I, my time in WWE, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, it, it, if I wasn't in WWE, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. You know, I wouldn't have a house. I wouldn't. This that's the only job I ever had. I got started when I was 20 years old and wow. I got fired when I was like 34, <laughs> 35. So I was there for a long time and I'm very grateful, but it was time to go. And uh, I think I said it the last time we talked on, on, on your podcast, like I didn't re-sign my deal because I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay or, or go, but they decided they didn't. I should go. So yeah. Yeah, they, they made a decision for me. And like, so I guess we both kind of felt the same way. But once the pandemic hit, there was, there was nowhere to go really because there was, there was no independence running. We were in the middle of this, this, this lockdown. Luckily I had the podcast, but now I'm, I'm every weekend I'm, I'm doing something. Like I said, whether I'm doing the chicken, chicken, or having these death matches or just, or having like big eight man tag matches with like our podcast crew, like, it's just been so much fun to go out there, and I, I, I love working hard. I love hustling. I love like 
Uh, like I have a safe in my house just of all the, like the cash I'm getting from like the gimmick table. Like I love this. <laughs> I, I, I love working hard and I just, I, I'm a very creative person. I felt like in WWE, like you can only do so much if they won't allow you to do something like you, you, you can't do it. You know, I, I tried with my YouTube show. We're not going to get into that. I guess I can write a whole book about that. It didn't work out. So, but now I can try anything. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like now I have a, a, a podcast about theme parks also. And if, if people don't listen to it, I don't care. It's fun for me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it's just fun trying things. And, and at the end of the day, like I am a, a kid who grew up loving wrestling and now I'm still doing it. I want to do it for as long as I can. And I want to be successful at it too. And I definitely have not, listen, I'm very grateful for the moments I have had, but I haven't achieved what I want to achieve. So, like I said earlier, like you can't, you can't get rid of me. You can't, you can't kill me. Right. I'm, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep trying and busting my ass. And nobody can say that, uh, you know, I didn't die trying. Well, what are some of the uh, other things you want to achieve? Like, I, I definitely want to be a world champion. And yes, I'm the GCW world champion. But I feel like I have so much to offer for for so many different companies. I've I've never been to Japan or Mexico besides with WWE. You know, where you're not really, you don't really experience the culture there. You know, you're there for a couple of days. You go from one city to the next. Like, I want to, you know, get bust around. You, you know, I want to I experience it the real way. I want to have these kick-ass matches. I don't want to, you know, in WWE sometimes, you know, I'd be on, like, Superstars or Main Event and be like, all right, well, you can't go to the floor. Like, I, I don't want to have restrictions <laughs> yeah, or rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to go out there and, and just be me and try things out and just have fun. And, and if I fail, I fall flat on my face, fine. But I just want to try. I feel that this kind of character deathmatch, you know, experience showing that you're a, a legit draw is going to really help you in other places. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, too. And listen, it's definitely going to give me a little bit of an edge. I think people will look at me differently, which is cool. But that, that wasn't my goal. Go into it. If that's the result, I'll take it. You know, right. I think some people, they see me and they, 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 they remember the guy 10 years ago with the headband and doing the fist bumps and the guy who has a, a podcast about wrestling figures. But if the bell rings and I need to kick your ass, like I will. And like I said, I didn't need to prove that to anybody. But if I did in this process, then so be it. Well, it's funny, too, because and, and it's kind of the same for me. And obviously not quite because you're in, in much more jacked up. But when you, you see a guy like like Matt Cardona and in WWE, you're a good shape guy, as you should be. This is wrestling. You go to a GCW or go to some of these other companies and you're you know hulk hogan in 1988 right. <laughs> four inches taller and you have shoulders and biceps where most of these guys are wearing you know cut off shirts and jorts you know what i mean how was your feeling about that listen i i, I when i first like when i did like the cup of coffee in aw last year everyone was like oh my god right macaroni he got so big i'm like no, I, I, I've been in shape for years. It's just like I'm presented like a star. I'm not just like already in the ring, Zack Ryder. Like I have an entrance. I get to come out. And like, <laughs> when you're presented like a star, you look like a star. You know what I'm saying? And now, since I'm my own boss, I'm going to present myself like a star wherever I go. Mm -hmm. At all times. Let's talk about AEW. One of the things that AEW does is bring in guys uh, from other companies and bring. We, like we said, we had Nick Gage last week, and we had we have Hooventude tonight, and there's different guys coming in and out. And you were here for a, a few matches yourself. How was that experience for you? I loved it. It was super cool. Um, you know, do I wish it was with people there? Sure, but it, the people were there. Oh, right. It is what it is. But everyone was super welcoming. It's something I definitely needed. Uh, I needed to, like I said, sometimes perception is reality, right? So when people are like, oh my God, he got so big, he got in great shape. If you want to believe that, sure. But I was in the same shape that I was in for years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, and AEW, it just didn't work out at the time. There's so many people there and there just wasn't anything for me at the time and no hard feelings, not to say I'll never be there again, you know, because I would love to be. It's obviously, there's no doubt AEW is the place to be, right? It's, it's the talk of the wrestling business every single week. So it's great. But just at that time, it just wasn't, you know, timing's everything and it wasn't the right time. Were you brought in on like a, a five show appearance or just a couple times or how, how was that? Yeah, I think I want to say it was like a three show appearance. I ended up doing gotcha. four. Um, and then, you know, honestly, like I was under the impression the contract would be coming. It didn't come and gotcha. it is what it is. You have to move on. You can't, you can't sit around and wait. You can't cry about it. You just got to bust your ass and move on to the next one. You know, how was it for you working in front of no crowds? It was 
so awkward, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what this business is all about, like feeding off the crowd. Even when you know I started doing Impact, which Impact has been awesome to me, but at first there was no people there. So like when you, at least at AEW, there were people like in the crowd, you know, like wrestlers as the crowd, you know, at impact, there was nothing. So you're taking a bump and there's like nothing. Like you could hear a pin drop. So I would like, just like oversell and yell and scream and make noise just so I felt something. And then I blow myself up, just making more noise. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what's working. What's not working. Yeah, exactly. And that's what wrestling is. It's not like all this choreographed stuff. Like you need to play off the people. I was talking to, to Gabriel Iglesias the other day, Fluffy, and we were just talking. He goes, you must be so happy to be back in front of crowds. And I was like, yeah, like, dude, it was like literally like being a comedian and telling jokes at the wall. Right, exactly. Like, I think this is funny, but I'm not really too sure if it's funny because there's no reactions to anything. Yeah, it's just it, that wrestling, it has to be in front of a crowd. Listen, we had to do what we had to do, right? The show must go on. What were we going to do, just not wrestle for a year and a half? Like, it had to happen. Exactly. And I think everybody made the best of it. But now with the people back, it's like an instant change. You can just tell on, on every show that you watch, just the product is so much better because you need that audience. You need that fan participation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So where was kind of the first matches that you did where you had crowds back? Because you said you've been working so much and all over the place. Yeah. So it's uh, it was around like April. I went to uh, Hornswoggle's promotion in Wisconsin <laughs> and he had a thousand people there, bro. It what? Felt, it felt like the Pontiac Silverdome WrestleMania 3. That's what it felt like to me because I went right. from almost a year with not a person to <laughs> a thousand people. I felt like The Rock coming out when I came, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I, I'm sure the, re, the reaction wasn't that good. But to me, that's what it felt like. Just to, just to like slap a fan's hand or just, you know, just hear something. It was like, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it because you need the fans. And I think, not that we took the fans for granted, but we just never thought they'd go away. Right? So yeah. all of a sudden yeah, you they're never gone. thought that was going to happen. Right. right. All of a sudden they're gone. Like, what is wrestling with no fans? What are you like backyard wrestling? It was like with nothing. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's just to have the people it's back like training. You. Right. Right. I think it's actually worse than training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had the same reaction. I remember, uh, even at the beginning, people were like, I feel so bad for the new guys, you know, working in front of no crowds. I was like the new guys, like the new guys, I feel bad for me. <laughs> right. You know, I've been working in front of thousands of people since I was 21 years old. This is terrible. Exactly. Right. And, you know, like, it is what it is, and I'm glad we're over it. Uh, But I think now the wrestling business is going to be hotter than ever because the wrestlers, obviously, are hungrier than ever. But the fans are, too. They went this long. So I'm hoping that they keep up this enthusiasm. So what are some of the other places that you worked? Because like, like I said, it seems like there's so many companies and promotions. And what are some of your favorites that you've been to? Yeah, so I, I, I've been trying to do like all these indies that I can. Uh, I did AIW. Uh, I, I've been doing, uh, like I said, I did Impact, which is, Impact has been super cool to me. Gave me like an opportunity. And I talk about being like always ready, right? Like I was at the gym one day and I got a, a text like, hey, can you be this Impact pay-per-view tomorrow? And at the, so that's like, I think January or February. And at the time, since there were no indies, I hadn't been in the ring since September when I did AEW. Well, I'm like, well, shit, like, I better not blow up tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like thank right, God right, I'm right. in shape. Thank God I'm tan, ready to go. Uh, so, so Impact has been great. And then also, like, with our major recipe podcast, we started putting on, like, not only live podcast, but we started our own, like, wrestling promotion. Where, really? Yeah. So, like, that was, like, super cool. And, like, we did it in front of, like, uh, I want to say no, no, no real fans. We did it like how how wrestling was at the time. But we aired it on like I don't want to say pay per view because it wasn't pay per view, but you could buy it. To, and we made like a lot of money. We're like this might be like a new business model, you know? Like because it's only our. We're not trying to sell it to like hundred thousand people. We're trying to sell it to our core audience, and they're they're eating it up. Like they're eating up when we have a character named Stang, you know, who's dressed up as st- like a fake Stang. Like they love it. Like <laughs> if a regular wrestling fan is watching, it's like what the hell is it? I, I think it's like. I describe it like talking Chapamania, but not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know wh- where's the Stang come from? Because there's a real story about Stang. Yeah, so I, we were interviewing uh, Brian Myers, and I were interviewing Heath Slater for our major wrestler podcast. We were asking him like who his favorite wrestler was growing up. So oh, my favorite wrestler was Stang. We're like <laughs> who? Stang. And we're like, 
Oh, sting, sting, sting. <laughs> well, there was there was a guy called Hardbody Harrison in WCW. Yeah. He was a guy who also wore the one long tight. There we go, baby. Tight. That's right. He, I think he ended up in jail for like, you know, racketeering or prostitution or kidnapping or something. But he actually was pitching an idea to DDP where he would be the heated rival to Sting. And he would call himself Stang. I like it. And and where Sting had the white face paint with the black, this guy was black, so he would have black face paint with the white and be like be Stang, who would have these magic diamond crystals that would give him power that were kept in a piranha tank. Oh yeah. Continue, continue, continue. So that's the real Stang right there. Oh, uh, we missed out on seeing <laughs> that. That would have been great. <laughs> So, so are you going to do more major? What was the name of your company? Oh, uh, we call it FWF because uh, the Figure Wrestling Federation. Oh, <laughs> so we course. actually have another one coming up. But we also do like <laughs> live, we do like live podcasts. So I'm just trying to be as busy as possible because not yes, I need to pay the bills, but also because this is fun, right? Like you, yeah. Chris, how many things do you do? You get you got the cruise, yeah. you got Fozzie, you got wrestling, you got the podcast, you got the books. Like I want to be like you, Chris. I want to do everything I can because uh, yes, does it make money? Sure. And Crumbs make crumb cake. You make a little here, a little there, a little there. But <laughs> I, I, this is what I'm passionate about. And I'm passionate about so many different things. And uh, like I said, I feel like any handcuffs that we're on are off now. And and, and I can just do whatever I want. And and hopefully they're, they're all successful. They're not going to be, but I'm going to try my best. Well, let's talk about the, the podcast, too, and kind of the whole culture of, of figures right now. Uh, because it has continued to grow, as has your, your podcast and your show. So kind of give us a, a little bit of an overview at, I guess, where what's going on in the scene of figures right now and how that relates to your guys' show. Yeah, so with the with the pandemic, when it hit, uh, Brian, like, oh, my God, like, we're, we're doomed. Like, who's going to want to listen to this show about figures? No one's going to have, like, money to be buying figures. It was, like, the opposite because people were at home. They wanted to consume content, and they weren't going out. They weren't going out to dinner, so they had this money to buy things and they're buying these childhood figures up and it was just a perfect storm for us and now for for wrestling figure fans i mean listen i, I grew up in the attitude era i was a kid where i was flipping the channels between nitro and raw and i feel like that's where we're at now with with AEW, wwe and now all these other companies i mean there's wrestling on tv every night of the week and for figures specifically you know aew have their own figures mattel have their WWE figures. And now they're almost like, okay, you're going to make this figure this good? Oh, I'm going to make our figure this much better. And it's like this action figure renaissance for these two companies, not only these two companies on the shelves, but they're trying to make the better product. So it's cool for a figure fan. It's like, because now it's like collecting WWF and WCW, but it's AEW and WWE. But now there's all these other smaller companies who are making figures and making their own figures. And like now... I didn't even mention this. We start our own wrestling figure company where we make our own wrestling figures. So it's like, really? all, yeah, all this stuff that we've like all this, all this time and all this learning and, and dealing with other toy companies, we've kind of, you know, picked their brains and, and not stolen things, but stolen what works, what doesn't. And we're, we're trying our own uh, line that's going to launch before Christmas. Uh, and of course we're going to make ourselves first, uh, but then we're going <laughs> to go and make guys who aren't like contracted anywhere and try to make them too. And, it's just a great time to be a collector, I think, because there's just so much stuff to buy, whether it be in store or online. And it, it, it's just it's just the access to buy this stuff. Like you don't have to go on eBay and buy the, uh, spend these crazy prices. Like we have our own Patreon group that has its exclusive Facebook group where, you know, if you can't find the, uh, let's say, the Chris Jericho figure, you can say, hey, can anybody out there find the, the Chris Jericho chase figure or whatever? And then we'll, someone will find it and sell it to you at cost. We're not trying to, like, upcharge anybody in our group. So it's just a cool community that we've been building. Lots to unpack there. Yeah, it's, so, super, it's, it's, cra- it's a crazy world. I understand. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, and you kind of just hit on it, about if you're not under contract to WWE or, or AEW, because there's so many performers out there so you are starting your own action figure company yes how do you get the figures made and all this sort of stuff so like one guy who just started off as a fan in our podcast and it just spiraled where like oh he, he told us where to get like uh pop sockets made for our phone and they're like oh you're a merch guy what else can you do uh oh you have contacts in china like and then long story short now he's our guy he's our partner and we're wow. dealing with, with like, you know, we have a designer and we're dealing with China and the factories and we're getting the prototypes made. 
But then, like, our goal is, um, so we're, we're making something called, we're calling them Major Bendies. But they're, like, based off these Bendems figures from, like, the mid-90s, early 2000s. You actually have one, Chris. I don't know if you know. I did. Are they, like, the Stretch Armstrong ones, kind of? No, they're, like, little, like, bendable guys. They're, like, they kind of, okay. like, arms and legs bend a little bit. Anyway, you have like two of them, actually, Chris. I'll send you a picture. You, but <laughs> Hey, listen, here's, before you continue, Matt, here's the thing, and you know this. There are so many uh, merch items and action figures and everything that we had no idea sure. were even created. You would see them on royalty statements if you even bothered to read them. Oh, I made 15 cents off of Chris Jericho Bendy. What is a Chris Jericho <laughs> yeah. Bendy? People out there listening, they don't send you one of everything. No, you no, literally no. have to go to the store to find them a lot of times or have some fan give you one at an autograph signing. Right. So continue. Yeah. So, so what we're doing with this line is we're going to try to make like, for instance, like for, we want to get guys like Dan house and Nick gauge guys like that. But then we also want to get guys who got overlooked during that era. Like, Ooh, how come they didn't make a gangrel bendy or the headbangers, mm. you know? So we want to kind of, if you were, a, if you're a completist, we want to get the guys that they didn't make during that time period, but also make the new star. So, right. We can't make, current WWE guys or AEW guys, but anybody who's hot on the indies or anybody who's a legend who doesn't have some sort of legends deal or now with AEW, we can make them too. And we're going to pay them. Like, you know, we're going to give them royalties. We're going to give them products. So we're going to do it the way we would want to be treated. But if the first series flops, then it won't happen. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think it will. Because I I think think you kind of know your market, right? Like, it's a great idea. Yeah, listen, we're not going to be in Walmart and Target. It's all limited edition. You know, it's supply and demand. And you got to make sure in collecting things that the, how can I say this? That the demand needs to be greater than the supply. You know what I'm saying? So you make these limited edition. You make these low run. Uh, like AEW does it with the, they do chase figures. So there's like a, a lot of Chris Jericho's that they've done. There's just one now with like a with sunglasses and like a different jacket. It's like the chase. And it's like hard to get. So all of ours are going to be in theory hard to get limited edition. You know, it's 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 really cool because it just kind of shows how commerce is in this day and age. The the book that I just put out, the complete list of Jericho. Oh, by the way, Chris, you spelled my name wrong in there. I'm a little upset about that. I, I heard about that. And trust me, it's going to be fixed. It's already listen. It'll be fixed on the second edition. Okay, good. Thank you. And I'm not even kidding. I got a whole bunch of things and like you listen. Every single match I've ever had. I'm sorry, I put Z A C H and Z A K or whatever. But the point being is, is that I mean, the other prior books that I had done were done with publishers right. and, and, and publishing houses. I mean, you wrote the forward That's for right, the second one. And this one, they wouldn't take it. They said, this is too much of a niche product. Uh, no one's going to really want to buy this. And they didn't say that, but that's what they were implying. And I was like, all right, I'll do it myself. And I found out a place to self-publish and I've sold almost the entire first print out. And I printed five figures first, first uh, printing. So, it shows that there is a market, like you mentioned, is it in, you know, Target and Walmart or is it in, you know, book bookends or whatever <laughs> called, they even have them, any Barnes and Noble. Right. And the answer is no, but you can get it anywhere if you go to the website and buy it. And people do that now. It's not like it used to be where you got to go online. It's like only online. That's too much of a hassle. Like you could sell these, these figures online only and do great business if you had to. Oh yeah. And like, that's our plan is like, we, we have our own like website and stuff, obviously. And like, you know, we, we make a lot of different merch and like, it's the most ridiculous stuff, but it's all low run, you know? So we do something called stop in paradise where we're like, we're like fake army guys and we make like foam grenades and water guns and we sell them out, but we're not making thousands and thousands. You know what I'm saying? You make them limited. And then like, there's a, a resale market for it on eBay and stuff like that. So like the fans, some people are buying it cause they generally want it. And some people are buying it cause they just want to flip it immediately. So if, if as long as you buy it, I don't care what you're doing with it. <laughs> Did you know that there was this action figure culture when you started the podcast or were you just like two guys that like, we got nothing else to do. Let's just talk about this. So I I knew there was because at the time I was like 34 years old collecting wrestling figures too. And and Brian was the same way. And, And when we first met in wrestling school, when we were 18, we hated each other because we were each other's competition. You know, I didn't grow up wanting to be a tag team wrestler. You know, I didn't grow up wanting to be demolition. You know, I wanted to be like Hogan or Macho Man. You know what I'm saying? So we're like the same age, same look, same build. They're like, ah, shit. And they wanted to put us as a team. And we were both against it. And then we realized we're both 18-year-old kids who were still like secretly 
collecting wrestling figures and that kind of broke the ice <laughs> and all these years later like you know we're, we were the only people like none of the other wrestlers maybe a couple collect here and there but no one's a diehard like us you know nobody we know at least so we were just talking about every single day every single day and i just said like why don't we just like put this out there and let's see if there's people who want to listen and it's such like a niche audience because you need to, okay, like wrestling enough to listen to a wrestling podcast. You need to like wrestling figures enough to listen to a wrestling figure podcast. But if you're that deep, you're in. You know what I'm saying? Like you're a diehard. So that's what's so cool about it is because it's a bunch of diehards. You, I don't think you can be a casual wrestling figure fan. You know what I'm saying? I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're either a wrestling figure fan or you're not. <laughs> like you might have a couple like on display on your desk, but if you're like in and you're collecting them, like you're in. Yeah. I mean, the only ones that I know anything about are Chris Jericho ones. Of course. Because those, like, you know, and actually AW do send you products. Yes. So now I got a box of like the, the, the chase figures and a box. And yeah, like, I don't need all these. So now I'm complaining. <laughs> That I've got too many to, to give away. Which ones, like in the history of wrestling action figures, I'm assuming they started kind of in the mid-80s with Galoob and yeah. all those ones. Are there certain ones that are worth more than others, like hockey cards or football cards? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that are worth big bucks. Like um, in the, the 80s with the AWA Remcos or the WF LJNs. Or, uh, uh, my problem is this, is like once you have them all, what do you do? Right. Like, especially like, uh, like, for instance, like the WWF Hasbro ones, they went from like 90 to 95. There's about like a hundred figures. Once you have them all, what do you do? So I had them all, uh, out of the package, like mint out of the package. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll get them all in the package. Okay. So I'm out of the package in the package. Well, then what? You still love it. You still have that addiction. You still want to scratch that figure itch, as we say. So I started getting pre-production stuff prototypes, things that never were released, things that are just in oh, catalogs man. or magazines that never saw the light of day. So I have a, a literal top shelf in my toy room that's worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, of, of just things that never came out, things that were like mysteries, things that there's this rhythm and blues, Greg the Hammer Valentine that was in this Toys R Us ad in the WF magazine. It never came out, but I have the figure because I, tra oh, wow. I track down these, uh, not just me, there's like, there's an even smaller community just psycho stuff like this who like track down these ex-employees who like either have them in their garage or like in their, their attic, like in boxes and like, all right, yeah, just take it. Or some of them actually know what they have and they, they want you to pay the big bucks, but it, it's a crapshoot. It's like, sometimes you get a hell of a deal. Sometimes you spend a lot of money, <laughs> but uh, I have some pretty cool stuff in there like that. Greg, the hammer Valentine. And like, I'm not even really a Greg the Hammer Valentine fan. You know, not that I'm not a fan of his, but... No, no, I got you. But that figure, as a kid, this is pre-internet, you see it in this Toys R Us ad, you make your mom take you to Toys R Us after Toys R Us after Toys R Us, you can't find it, you think you just don't have it, turns out it never came out, and now I have that one, it's my centerpiece, my pride and joy, my Greg. So <laughs> My Greg. My Greg. So they made the prototype of it and yeah. put it in the catalog, but didn't mass produce exactly. for sale? Yeah. So it's like- Do you know why? Because the Rhythm and Blues uh, gimmick just ended. So it's like, get oh. the new tag teams. It shows the Bushwhackers, Demolition, Rockers, and Honky Tonk and Greg, Rhythm and Blues. But then you go to Toys R Us, they have Bushwhackers, they have Demolition, they have Rockers, but there's no Rhythm and Blues. It's even on the back of the oh, box. Wow. So like wow. you think, That's... you think, you think it's like, there's no internet. How are you supposed to know it doesn't come out? Right. Later right. through like toy magazines, you, you learn. But yeah, so I have that hand painted one that I found on some Facebook, like prototype discussion message board thing. And like, so some ex Hasbro employee posted this box that he found in his garage of the bird's eye view of these figures and like a hawk, I could spot Greg's boot. I'm like, that's Greg, that's Greg in there. <laughs> uh, I spent a lot of money on it, but I don't regret it one bit. That's really cool because I know my uh, experience with action figures is is mostly S Star Wars, like the early Star Wars from the 77 uh, Star Wars movie. I remember getting the Chewbacca and the Luke Skywalker that my mom bought me literally in 1977. And nobody because you had G.I. Joe's, which were the big ones. Right. But no one had these four inch or whatever they are action figures. And that kind of started that whole culture. And I collected not as good as you did, because like like. You said there was no internet back then. Plus, I was a you know twelve year old kid with no money. Right. But I still would ask for them for Christmas. I remember my cousin was always jealous of me because I had a whole platoon of stormtroopers, and he only had one. I'm like, uh, dude, you got to ask for ten stormtroopers. That's for called Christmas. that's that's called army building, Chris. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's army building. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then I'm sure has happened. This is probably how you got your Greg the Hammer Rhythm and Blues. I moved away uh, from my house to go to wrestling school, and a couple years later came home. Where's all my Star Wars stuff? Mom sold it in a garage oh, sale. No. Oh, Didn't no. think I needed them anymore. I'm like, Do you, what? It's not your responsibility, Mom, <laughs> to tell me what I need and don't need right, anymore. Right. It's like mother. Yeah. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I, I my my grandma found me a Haku LJN at a uh, garage sale, and I didn't know Haku came out. I'm like, oh my god, they made Haku. Who else did they make? You know, because there's no internet, so unless right, you see right, it in the right, stores, right. you don't know who who comes out. So it was like, so whoever whoever sold that Haku at the garage sale is probably kicking themselves. That's worth a lot of money now. <laughs> I love the uh, the part in, in in the match yeah, with Nick Gage where they had all the weapons at ringside, and one of them looked like kind of a, a glass case with action figures in yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's called a detail. They sell those at Ikea. And they were bringing that out there. I'm like, you can't go through this. This is, like, very, very dangerous. I, I was trying to get away from there. Like, if, if you see, like, Nick push me by it, I'm like, no way. And I, I run <laughs> away. I'm like, I'm not going through this. No way. Like, I – I have these in my house, like a bunch of them. Like, this is not like thin little glass. If someone goes through this, they might die. I'm like, get me yeah, out of yeah. here. I think he swings a chair and it still doesn't break. That's how tough this glass is. And plus, the, there's figures inside. Oh, no way. Damage them. <laughs> you don't want to do that either. <laughs> Last few questions for you. Uh, now that we're students, we're talking about figures. It, it, besides the Greg the Hammer rhythm and blues, is there another uh, uh, another one that's kind of the pride and joy of your collection? Yeah, so um, it all started with this Macho Man figure. This is very boring, I'm sure, to people who don't like figures. But there was a J.C. Penny <laughs> Christmas catalog in 1990, and it shows the the new Hasbro ring with uh, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. But when it was released in stores, the regular Macho Man has orange trunks. So just that's how it was released in stores. But in this Christmas catalog, he's got green trunks, right? So. So people had some incentive to order this because, oh, you get a different Macho Man. But when it actually came, it was the same old Macho Man with the orange trunks, right? So, oh, shit, whatever happened to that green trunks Macho Man? Well, it's 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 in my display case because I have it. I found – I was able to find the hand-painted prototype. Wow. Yeah, so now that's what started off for me. Once I got that, that's when I really went down the rabbit hole of seeing, well, what else can I find out there? And that's when I found all these, like – I just thought, oh, just go on eBay. eBay is like, not, first of all, eBay is great. I buy on eBay every day. But you can't really get the, the hard-to-find stuff on there because people are too smart. Because if you sell on eBay, there's the seller fees and the listing fees yeah, and yeah, the PayPal yeah, yeah, fees. Right, right. People want to do like bank transfers, cash deals. Like I, I live in Orlando twice. I've made deals in Disney World parking lots. Like people coming uh, on vacation. Like a drug dealer. Yeah, like a drug dealer. <laughs> like, and I'm talking like like five figures. Like not action figures, like five money figures. Five you know, figure press. Like, wow. Yes. Yeah. Like some, once it was me buying, once it was me selling. So it all kind of <laughs> evens out. Um, and you mentioned AWA action figures. Who was included in that set? Oh, the AWA figures. They, like it gets. Re- it starts with like Flair. There's like Rick Martel, uh, and those figures I didn't grow up on, but I've since tried to get them all. And I'm a psychopath that I buy them in the box and I let them breathe. I open them up because I'm not buying this up to resell it, but I want these things to be absolutely mint. And now with like it being 2021 and technology being how good, uh, as good as it is, people are like so the AWA figures had cloth outfits, like, uh, like whether it's Flair's robe or something like that. So people, oh, yeah. people are, they're, they're making like reproduction outfits. So I don't want to buy one out of the package that might have a reproduction outfit. So I need oh, to buy I the see. I need to buy the original and open it up myself and be like, oh, you're ruining the value. I don't care. I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it to sell it. Like, could I sell it eventually? Sure, but I'm, I'm doing this for me. <laughs> That's great, man. Last couple of things. So, so what do you have planned upcoming, uh, wrestling wise? Like, is there going to be a, a GCW defense of this title? Uh, what's in the, in the works? Yeah, so I've been talking to uh, Brett from GCW. Hopefully, uh, August, September, we can find a date that works. Got Impact stuff. Uh, this week, like, I'm going to West Virginia to, to wrestle Brian Myers. And then the next day, we're flying to Michigan to do a toy store signing. And that's another cool thing with the podcast. It's like more things I get to do. So I, right. I can wrestle and do these. I've been doing more signings at toy stores and Comic-Cons than I've wrestled. That's great. And I've been making more money and less bumps. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. I love and no it. Bleeding. No bleeding. No <laughs> bleeding. Um, and then the last question for you, what's been your favorite match that you've had post WWE? 
so far? I, I think it's going to be the obvious one, but it's this this death match with Nick Gage. Uh, the buzz aside, let's say nobody ever saw it. It was still like this adrenaline rush for me. Creatively, it was fun to to interact with the people in a way that there's no way I'd be able to do in WWE or probably anywhere on TV where I'm flipping them off. I'm doing like jerk off motions at them. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just so fun to to be an asshole and uh, to to feel heat and. I'm sure some of it was like, oh, let's boo this bad guy. But some of it was like, I hate this mother. Mm-hmm. And and I loved it. I wasn't scared of it. I would love to take this opportunity and be a bad guy because I'm not, I don't need everybody to like me. I don't care. If you don't like me, don't like me. And I think this time it's such an interesting dynamic because I can be me and be a baby face in Impact or on the Indies and then be me, say me. And be this hated heel of GCW. It's just this interesting dynamic, and I think it's fun. And of course, I'm gonna, you know, there's gonna be twists and turns, and I'll evolve it and change it a little bit. But I'm very creative, and I'm gonna see what happens. It just, it's just, it's fun for me. You know, it's just so fun. Yeah. Well, and it's cool too. Like we said in GCW, that people don't want to like you. You're you're twice the size of everybody there so it's like come on and stop me mother there you go man don't forget the the the, the mickey mouse ears yes <laughs> sell them at the merch table. oh my god that's good <laughs> I, I might have to steal that one chris that's a good one you got to make the eight by tens of you at the disney castle holding the gcw you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go to my eight by ten site i'm gonna print out a couple now actually that's a good one i'm gonna do that hell yeah all right, dude. It's good talking to you. The GCW champion, right. Matt Cardona. Uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Chris. Awesome.